If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 51. Letting God restore your identity. Psalm 51. Well, this is our final Sunday in 2020. (laughs) So many have looked forward to this since March. So many unprecedented trials, so many losses, so many changes and It's tough to know, looking through how things are progressing, how many of the changes will remain. So much trouble in our land in general, some of it related to the pandemic, some of it not. So much anger, so much pain. So many speak of almost as a desperate cry for hope of when things get, quote unquote, back to normal. So many not sure even what that will look like, what the new normal will be. So many not only unsure that they remember what even normal looks like, but unsure of who they are because of all the things that have happened. I want to begin this morning by telling you a story about a man named Dave. This is a story of a man who was a godly man. He was used by God in great ways. He was someone who helped people when they were down. He was someone who helped people against those who were trying to hurt them. He was a man who walked by faith. One weekend, he found himself home alone. His wife had gone for the weekend, and the guys he worked with were away on business. He should have been off with them, but he was going through a bit of depression. His relationship with the Lord had not been that good for a while and he didn't feel like doing what he should have been doing in his job so he was home for the weekend and on his computer and he saw that the wife of one of his buddies was on Facebook her name was Beth and her husband was on the trip that Dave was supposed to be on he started chatting with her and they were participating in quote unquote innocent flirting she was a bit scared to be home alone so Dave went to check on things one thing led to another and they ended up having an affair maybe you've never been involved in the particular sin or issues or challenges that Dave faced but have you ever done something that seemed to have the power to define you and do so in a negative way Have you ever done something that kept you awake at night, thinking if I'd only done things differently? Have you ever done things that not only is it difficult and challenging for you to to put it behind you and forget, but unfortunately you're surrounded by people who just won't let you forget it? Things that hold you hostage to a particular moment and therefore a particular identity. Maybe it was a DUI that you received, and now, no matter how much time has passed, a label has been placed upon you. It might be past drug use. And all you hear in your head is that you're an addict. It might be past run-ins with the law, or a past that 
you haven't always acted the way you should, or maybe you acted up when you shouldn't have. And now people are labeling you in different ways based on that moment. And it's become a problem for you to shake that identity. Now, while all of us may have included things and done things that have contributed to these labels, we still and we still will face consequences for poor choices. I want each and every one of us to understand today that it's not God, but the enemy of your soul who is trying to steal your identity and tie you to a problem in your past. God wants to raise each and every one of us today and have you see yourself the way he sees you. The identity we have in Jesus. You see, your enemy does, does these things by trying to constantly remind you about your past poor choices. He wants to keep you tied to an identity of mistakes and errors and sins. He wants to keep you away from the identity that God created for you and came to provide for you. This could have happened to Dave. You probably guessed by now, if those who know the story, I'm talking about King David. King David was eventually confronted with the sin he committed with Bathsheba. And after being confronted by the prophet, he wrote a psalm. And that psalm is what we're going to read today, Psalm 51. Now, the story I read was a bit of a modern-day version. I don't think for one minute that King David jumped on Facebook. the story of King David's sin with Bathsheba. He committed adultery with her. And then to try and cover it up in a series of events had her husband killed. And David faced consequences for those choices. But he went on to reign over Israel and then have his son succeed him. in an answer to a prayer. How did David overcome this sin and become known throughout Scripture as a man after God's own heart rather than King David, the sinful king? Psalm 51 gives us some insight on how we can leave the past behind us, something that it just seems so many in our various circles of influence want to do, especially with the calendar year 2020. We want to leave it behind us. And yet so many are so unsure. How can we defeat the enemy's desire to steal our identity and tie you and me to mistakes or tie you and me to circumstances or tie you and me to tragedies that have happened? Let's turn there now. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me. O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, 
I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. And the verses so many of us know. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Hallelujah. Notice where David begins. Have mercy on me because of your loving kindness. David understands that the only resolution to his dilemma, the only way he can move from his issue, the only solution to his problem is the unfailing love of Almighty God. No matter what you've done, no matter where you and I have ever been, the solution will always be God's love. David understood this. That the problem he was in, his greatest need was God's unfailing love. His greatest need was not, how do I figure this out? His greatest need was not, how do I keep this quiet for the rest of my days? His greatest need was the love of God. The only way he can receive the love of God, though, given where he was, and he points it out, is by God's tender mercies. Church, I don't deserve God's unfailing love. Don't get all high and mighty. You don't deserve it either. Thank God I'll never need to deserve it. It will always be there. His love is always there. We can be defined, have our identity tied to life's tragedies, to life's mistakes, to life's difficulties. Or we can have it tied to God's unfailing love. I've made so many mistakes in my life. I've gone in so many directions I should not have gone in my life. I've let people down in my life. I could be tied to those mistakes. Or I can walk in this world, in this life, and say, I am a child of God. And he loves me. And he loves you. We all know the verse made popular at football games. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We, of any people on the face of this planet, need to believe in God's unfailing love. We need to not only believe in that unfailing love but then be at a place where we receive it and allow it to change who we are. Because without it, Our identity can be tied to whatever happens in a given day or in a given season. Without receiving his love, as the phrase has become popular because of the issue in our culture today, we become at a spiritual level 
subject to identity theft. John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. When the devil comes at you and tells you what you've done, when the devil comes at you and reminds you of your past, you remind him of what Jesus did in your life and the rights you have to stand before God because of what Jesus did as a child of the king. Placing our trust in Jesus, letting his unfailing love Reign in our minds, reign in our hearts. Help us walk each day in our rightful place as his children. Now, some are going to say that sounds pretty good. And that might bring sinners into the fold. That might help unchurched people become churched people. That might help unbelievers become believers. That all sounds good. But pastor, I gave my life to him years ago, and I still struggle. I struggle with things in my past, things that I did, choices that I made before I met Jesus. And on top of that, I struggle with things in my past, things I did, poor choices I've made after I met Jesus. I feel like my identity is still and forever will be tied to past mistakes. We're coming up on a new year. And as is the global practice of humanity, we will engage in the annual ritual of New Year's resolutions. But today I'm not focused on resolutions, on new resolutions. Today I want to uh, get from God not a new resolution, but a new revelation of who he is and what he wants from me. And as far as the difference between resolutions and revelations, that's my message next week. For today, I want us to see that as David had to see and embrace that his sins were real. He had to confess them. But he also had to see and embrace the reality that his sins were forgiven. There will always be consequences to poor choices. But your standing with God is, never, is not, nor will it ever be based on what you do. Your standing before God will always be based on what Jesus did. Amen. And what he did can be summed up in the name of our church, Calvary. It's based on his unfailing love. God's people need to see that today. God's love. Working and embracing it. Because before the world can catch a glimpse of this, we as his people need to be able to rid ourselves of the bondage and the chains and the baggage that so many of us in the family of God carry with us. So how did David get past his own identity crisis? Well, the first thing in the verses we read is he acknowledged his guilt. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David faced 
his mistakes. He didn't try and justify them. He didn't try and pass them off as less than what they were. He didn't try to explain them away or create a context in which they could be minimized. I was in a bad place when I did that. You don't know. I was going through a whole lot when that decision was made. You see, my life was going with so many different issues. There was this perfect storm. How many know that we serve a Jesus who can deal with perfect storms? He can take you. You're not bound to the eventual consequences of issues. You may be in a bad place, but you serve a good God. You may be going through so many things, but you serve a God who is greater than anything you can go through. And even if you're experiencing a perfect storm, we serve a Jesus who calms the storms and tells them to be quiet. David faced and confessed his sins. He faced them. I remember the 15 years I umpired high school baseball. The most important piece of equipment I wore as a plate umpire was my mask. Because when a ball comes at the catcher, sometimes the young man sitting in front of me did not live up to his name. And he did not catch said ball. And the only thing behind him was me. So many times I would have my mask on and my chest protector, which had soldier pads and my leg guards and my steel force shoes, and the ball would find the place I was not covered. Or because of a foul tip, the ball would be raised on a plane above where the catcher was planning to catch it, and it would hit me, it happened more often than I wish it did, square in the mask. That would have been a very different experience without the mask. But I learned something early as an umpire. There's a knee-jerk reaction when you see a ball coming at you, and I guess over the course of time, you can tell when the young man in front of you, when this is his first day. And he's beginning to signal you with various physical signals. You know what, ump? That ball's coming here. I'm not going to catch it. I I'm just not. And I could see it coming. And it's coming pretty fast. And the knee-jerk reaction, the human reaction, is to turn your head. But... My mask was not like the more modern mask out of the hockey style where the whole head was. It was just the front was um, covered. So to turn my head would be to get hit upside the head where there was no reaction, uh, no, no protection. So even though you see it coming, I had to face it. How many of us not only deal with issues, but you deal with issues you can see coming? And the knee-jerk reaction, the emotional reaction, is to try and turn our heads. And we spend our lives spiritually getting hit upside the head by this issue and that issue. With Jesus, you and I have the strength to face whatever's coming at you. Now, I would fully recommend if you're going to umpire a baseball game, and get hit straight in the mask with a ball. That it's a ball that's thrown by a 12-year-old rather than a 19-year-old. I've experienced both. 
David faced his sin and confessed it. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only will Jesus, is he faithful to forgive our sins, but hear the words in that verse that we pass by so often. Not only is he faithful to forgive our sins, he's doing so and he's just in doing it. It's right for him to do it. Others may think you don't deserve forgiveness. Others may believe you should never wear, uh, that, that, that you should forever wear a banner of some type of scarlet thread. Others may believe that it's always right for you to be seen a certain way. But not only is Jesus faithful to forgive you, it's the right thing to do. It's just. And church, if Jesus is just in forgiving us, we can be just in forgiving one another. Psalm 32, verse number one. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The key point in that scripture is that I will confess my transgression, and you forgave my iniquity. I'm committed that our God wants to see a church that is walking in freedom. Our God wants to see a church that is walking in liberty. He wants to see people who know what it means to walk in joy and freedom. Especially with the cleansing he provides. Then we can see ourselves the way God sees us. Not as mistake-prone losers, but as men and women after his heart. You see, the enemy will speak to you in a different way. You're still a mistake. You're an addict. You're an abuser. You're a killer. You're a fill-in-the-blank. You still did it. Our response is, yes, if you insist, devil, on not forgetting what I did, please also don't forget what Jesus did. And what Jesus did is he died for my sins. He washed me white as snow. He restored my standing before the Almighty. And he restored my identity from mistake and loser to now child of the Almighty King. But all of that starts with facing our mistakes and then cleansing them. Only then can we cry out as King David did in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me in your generous spirit. Create in me a clean heart. We need to know, and we, I believe we do know, that's something only God can do. You can come to church every time this building is open, and that won't create a clean heart. You can give millions of dollars in the offering, which if you feel so led, please feel free. But that won't create a clean heart. You can read the Bible and memorize every single word. That won't create a clean heart. Those are all good things. Only giving your life and your being to God, that creates a clean heart. And that only make my heart clean. Renew a steadfast spirit. Lord, I need strength. How many could use some strength today? This, I was talking to someone at work last time I was on. And they commented this year, and we were trying to figure out different ways of describing the year. Some said difficult. Some said challenging. Some said unprecedented. This one, one friend of mine just said, this year has been exhausting. It's just been exhausting. How many know God's got the strength for the exhausted? He can renew our strength. Do not cast me away. We need to come to understand that we need to pray that prayer because sin creates separation. But through God's love and God's forgiveness, he can bring us together and he will not cast us away. Restore to me the joy. See, joy is not just something that comes in a Christmas present with pretty bows on it. Joy comes from a life yielded and dedicated to Jesus Christ. Let me not live in my past. Let me not live in the mistakes. Lord, let me not live in the past. Let me live in your plans for me. Now, those are all wonderful things. What a great journey King David's been on to come from that wretched place to a place where he can pray this prayer and see it realized in him of creating a clean heart, renewing a steadfast spirit, not being cast away, seeing his joy restored. Why? Why should we cry out for all those things? David left no question there in verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. I still meet too many people who think that before they come to church, they've got to get their lives cleaned up. I still meet too many people who think before they can walk into the doors of a church and get closer to God, they've got to fix some things in their lives. I, and please forgive me if you don't approve of the way I've gone, um, gone by handling those people, but every time I meet someone like that, every time I talk to someone like that, I assure them, come to my church. I promise you, we are all messed up. <laughs> now, if I've offended you, I'm sorry, but let's face it, we're all messed up. I pray for a church that would recognize the power of honest and transparent confession. 
of admitting that we are just as flawed, just as broken, just as human, just as messed up as anybody else out there. A church that will truly minister to a sinful world with understanding. Because you see, the best group of people that David was qualified to preach to were people who had done the things he did. And they're usually the people we want to talk to the least. Because we're reminded when we talk to people who are going through the same poor choices, the same iniquities that we committed, I don't want to talk to them. They're just reminders. But no. David is letting God know that when he gives him all that he's asking for, a clean heart, a renewed spirit, more strength, that he has plans for that clean heart and restored joy. That he's going to let others know that no one is ever broken beyond repair. No one is ever outside of God's reach. No one's life is above poor choices. But everyone's life can be restored. That the difference between a sinner and a saint is Jesus. The difference between desecration and dedication is Jesus. The difference between falling down and getting up is Jesus. Very few people will soon forget, no matter how hard we try, we won't forget 2020. But we don't have to be bound here. We don't have to be bound to the issues that our culture went through. We don't have to be bound to the political nonsense that arose. We don't have to be bound to the division that sprang up. Verses I'm sure all of you, many of you know. Philippians chapter 3, begin reading in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. God has a call and a purpose and a plan for each and every one of you. But I want to make this clear. That plan, that call is not behind you. It's in front of you in the days he still has for you to be a powerful man or woman for his glory. We can leave the mistakes behind. I will be looking forward to Friday, 2021. I remember looking forward to this day a year ago, 2020. It was supposed to be so many uh, coined the phrase, it was a year of vision. We would see things like we've never seen before. Boy, were they right. Boy, no false prophets being stoned this year. So many things changed. So many things were shaken deep within us. This year created this general sense of instability in us. But I can tell you for 2020, 
God was faithful. I can tell you God is still real. In 2020, God proved to me he and he alone is our solid rock. In 2020, I can say, as I said in 2019, and I know I'll be able to say in 2021, our God is so good. He is so good. God has been good, church. Uh, I don't think you heard me, church. God has been good to us. I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have given my whole being to him. That means I'm his child, and that is my identity. Not any issue that happened in this past year. Now, it's been one for the books. And I guess it's been my purpose in life for decades now that when I'm with a group of people that are looking forward and they're getting optimistic to be the wet blanket. It's just the thing I do. So I, when all the guys at work were saying, 2021 is going to be a great year. It's going to be better. We're going to have a great year. Nothing's going to go. I said, guys, I hate to burst your bubble, but it could actually be worse. And they hung up on me. Because my joy is not tied to how well 2021 goes. My peace is not conditioned on the circumstances that unfold in a new year. My rock is something greater than a calendar. My rock is Jesus. My Savior is my refuge. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to a better year. (laughs) I really, really am. But this is about identity. Don't let the enemy take yours. Don't let the devil tell you you belong in 2020. You belong in 2010 or whatever that year was for you or that season was for you. You belong here today in a new day because our God's mercies are new and fresh every morning. Stand with me, please.